You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path. Covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between. Making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. We are recording. Hello, Julie. How are you? Oh, I'm good. And I'm so honored to be on your podcast because I've been a big fan of yours. So yay. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> no, I thank you. Like, I mean, I know you're so, so busy. I, and I just was talking to your husband earlier. The last time we actually talked, it was in actually Europe. It was in Rome. Like yes, two years ago. Incredibly exciting, incredibly fun time. Yeah. And like, I, I actually remember that our mutual best friend, uh, organized a pasta making class. And of course I'm celiac. So it was so cute that I showed up to the class with these gorgeous konjac noodles that mm -hmm. I could eat with the delicious sauces that everyone came up with. So yeah, I, I feel like that was a very special sacred time because now that we're no longer traveling, aren't we lucky that our mutual best friend had us get to Europe to watch your wedding? Like that was so that, special. That was so special. So this is one of the things that I, um, uh... I had a conversation with her about this. It's about the food versus Europe and here in North America. Because I, when I was over there, I indulged pasta, you know, alcohol, caffeine, all the good stuff, right? <laughs> I was fine over there. But when I came home, when I started eating that stuff here, when I have alcohol here, when I have, like, I started ingesting wheat, my body goes into a complete mess. It's, it just goes, what the frick did you just do to me? Yeah. Is there a difference between the food over in Europe and how it's yes. manufactured? And is it... Yes. Is it? No, yes, is it is there's, there's multiple reasons why. Uh, so there's three distinct reasons why you would be able to enjoy yourself more in Europe than you would here. Number one, okay. um, they're, they are not uh, using the same hybridized bizarre strain of wheat that a lot of people are allergic to. So okay. even if you're not a celiac, even if you're just sensitive to wheat, it's most likely because of the dwarf variety that's become very popular in, in North America to be grown. And that uh, form of wheat is super hard to digest. So you're just gonna be left more bloated, tired, feeling gross on that. Um, and then the other layer um, is that I love that Europe does not believe in genetic modification. For the most part, mm -hmm. there isn't um, the use of genetically modified corn, soy, canola, all the things that are slipped into sauces and dressings and most common foods within North America. So people who are really suffering with ill health, whether it be autoimmunity or whether it be digestive woes, really consider the organic path. And, and some people really notice a quantum leap in their vitality. And then the last reason why it would feel better is because you're relaxed. You know, so much digestive stress comes from a sense of tension because when we're in fight or flight, we switch off our ability to have peristalsis in our digestive system. So automatically the food just sits like a lead weight in your stomach and you, you don't have food move through you. So you'll notice more constipation. You'll notice more bloating and gas and, and kind of stomach upset. Uh, when you're in fight or flight. So yeah, no wonder you're relaxed. Wow. You were, your best friend was get, one of your best friends was getting married and you were having this amazing time with high, high quality ingredients. So that's what it is. Because I was always, always had that conversation with people and they go, oh no, it's the same. It's the same. But it's like, no, it's like, I've been over to Europe, you know, I've been to the UK, Italy, Germany, mm -hmm. things like that. And I just find the food, UK, not so much, but Italy for sure. And I was in Milan didn't have the same problems whatsoever. I came back home, same thing. But again, I think that whole level of stress makes a huge difference on that. And is there something you can talk a little bit more about stress when it comes to food? Because I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of information about emotional-based eating and stress, you know, out there. Yes. Can you maybe touch on that just a little bit? I would love to talk about that. So know that that is actually the topic of my upcoming book. So my new book, book number four, is going to be called Becoming Sugar-Free. And a huge part of it is the emotional component because let's face it, um, since birth, our mothers soothed us using mother's milk. And, or if we had formula, at least it tasted a lot like mother's milk. So what do we use now? Well, no wonder we all crave ice cream because it's the closest thing to human breast milk. It's sweeter than cow's milk. It has the same fat to protein to sugar ratio. And we just really crave that nurturing creaminess. So it makes so much sense that we soothe ourselves 
with food and that dairy is really tricky to get away from because it turns out there's something crazy in dairy called casomorphones that are morphine like compounds that trigger the the morphine yeah well definitely triggers lots of dopamine but it also triggers our pain relief in our brain so we end up absolutely addicted to it so no wonder that dairy is a huge draw and then cane sugar hits your dopamine button so freaking hard that it actually lights up more of your brain than cocaine so no wonder we're all after sugar 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 flour turns into sugar in your mouth in one minute flat because your amylase breaks flour into sugar so if you're more of a starch tooth it doesn't mean you're not a sugar tooth it just means that you prefer a milder blander version of sugar (laughs) because it becomes sugar right here and then the other uh, last big piece that i see in a lot of women especially is that chocolate addiction is is can be a magnesium deficiency i've heard Um, that yeah, because it's uh, we get 80 milligrams of magnesium per ounce of chocolate. So a lot of women crave it. They're, they did a study. They finally tried to map it. And women before their period have a sharp rise in chocolate cravings across the board. And it is really because we often are dealing with, everyone is dealing with a magnesium deficiency. We're told from very young, like you hear the messaging, like 10 to 15, have calcium, drink milk. But we're not told how low cow's milk is in magnesium. So if you have a lot of calcium without enough magnesium, you're in a major deficiency. You get headaches, you get muscle cramps, you get that twitchiness, that restless leg. Um, You often get um, just terrible malaise and and joint pain because magnesium is powerfully involved in the metabolism of virtually everything else. It has 400 roles in the body. So please enjoy more hemp hearts, more pumpkin seeds, more halibut, more dark leafy greens. Find other sources of magnesium so you don't have to lean on chocolate quite so hard. Now, would you recommend just supplementing if you can't? find those really good sources of, you know, whole foods that contain magnesium. Would you recommend supplementing? And is there a particular magnesium? Is there a particular, yeah, is there a particular magnesium? Yeah, if you have deficiency symptoms, then testing whether magnesium is a good fit for you certainly works well. The only thing I have to say about taking magnesium in a powdered form is it can be a laxative for like 70% of the planet. Now, a lot of people are constipated. So if you are, no problem. But if you are a person who has chronic diarrhea, you're going to have to really lean on those easily digestible, easily absorbable forms of magnesium versus just taking magnesium citrate. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, because yeah. I've you know for the last couple of days I've had um, a lot of uh, podcasts and a lot of doctors on. They always keep talking about magnesium, and it's really nice that you reinforce that same thing that you're talking about, especially because you're. Mm-hmm you deal with food. That's your whole background is a registered holistic nutritionist. That's, that's your thing and understanding that. So I really appreciate that. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about is about all these trends in diets now that I see all these different things that I've been researching. You know, we have keto, we have uh, the carnivore diets, and then there's intermittent fasting. What is your take on all these different diets? I believe that there's seven and a half billion diets for seven and a half billion people. And that the idea of one rigid plan is a recipe for complete disaster, that 95% of diets fail, only 5% of people lose weight, 95% of people gain more weight than when they came in with, which ends up creating that terrible diet cycle where people's metabolism slows down more and more, and they end up incredibly sick. Now, saying that, it's not to say you can't have dietary interventions. We have dietary interventions, for example, having to go on a ketogenic plan. That was a nutritional intervention created for epileptic children who were medication resistant because it drops inflammation so quickly that people see really big results. And then we saw that people who are metabolically broken, people who have type two diabetes and they can't get sugar in their cells anymore because their actual insulin resistance is so high. So their insulin receptors are cooked. They don't work. Well, why would you give yourself more carbs when you can't get sugars inside the cells? So I'm not saying that that there are times when we need to back off something that's not working for us, but it has to be more of a live it versus the, the diet model of, okay, I'm going to go on a super rigid plan and I'm only going to eat this on this day. That kind of harsh menu planning is when people just get super anxious and throw out the towel, right? But if we can say, 
there's a lifestyle here. I'm going to really try to get into ketosis for healing. Then you can see it as, as an intervention and, and a temporary state of healing your body. And then we can put carbs back in once you are healed, your ability to handle those carbs. So that's really kind like of a, that. a way that's really helped my clients to cope with the idea of giving up so many carbs that they love. And thank God there's a lot of nutritional substitution. So, you know, if you can't handle sugar, you can often handle uh, a low, low calorie sweetener like monk fruit because sugar causes horrific inflammation in the body where monk fruit's profoundly anti-inflammatory, but it's really? super sweet. Yeah, so we is. have those awesome substitutions. So we're not feeling deprived because the worst thing in the world is to feel like you don't have a treat. Everyone mm. talks about, oh, I gotta have a cheat day. Well, cheat days can set you back months if you are profoundly sick. So instead it's like, can you have a cheat? Forget the cheat. You don't need a cheat if you have a treat every single day. So we really look to treat days every day. Like, okay, I'm gonna have one treat. What's my treat? Looking for a, a compliant one for you if, if someone is on a lower carb plan. Well, can we make a fat bomb that's just loaded with deliciousness and chocolatey, but it's sweetened with monk fruit instead of sugar. And all of a sudden you, you can handle it and it's compliant. Okay. That's how I get around it. I, I now, really love that philosophy. That was brilliant. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I don't want, I don't want to be one of these guests who just talk and talk and talk. It's just no, that you I, asked a big question about like the different diets. So we addressed keto, yep. which is an intervention. Um, then intermittent fasting, I'm, I think this is really cool that we're talking on this day because I'm actually on 901 days of intermittent fasting. Wow. So it is a lifestyle choice. Like I am absolutely obsessed with intermittent fasting because it has healed my gut. It has healed my metabolism. It has helped me slim down to the weight I was in high school, which I didn't think was ever going to be. Well, you were slim, you know. Yeah, I've always you were slim. I don't really, eh? You've you've lost how much weight? Well, know that I went through the classic menopausal weight gain, like most ladies, like a lot of ladies, you know, if you really focus on fitness and nutrition, you 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 kind of have a get out of jail free card till about 40. And then things start to kind of get rocky. But if you don't really nail it when you go menopausal, that's when you pull the ripcord and you often end up much larger. So in this last few years, I've had to um, truly focus all my energy on on nutritional wellness so that I could be my word. So when I'm I'm talking to people, it's like you're living it instead of suggesting it to others, you know. So I decided to try an experiment where I would create a streak on my phone. I have an app called Zero, and I punch in every night and clock out every morning, and see how long I can go comfortably, not harshly, because. Intermittent fasting, a lot of people think 16 hours of fasting. It's often too harsh for women. Uh, men can intermittent fast much better than women. Uh, but it's just so delicious to just gently, carefully, and over time, broaden that window that you uh, go without food, shorten that little window that you do eat food. And in that window, nourish yourself like crazy, have the treats, have some wonderful things that keep you like life is fun and oh this is so fun but in that fasting window you're doing so much healing to your digestive system and you're priming your cells to be insulin sensitive so that when it comes across a carbohydrate it goes in and becomes fuel instead of staying outside the cell and causing a lot of inflammation because sugars that stay outside the cell create terrible damage it's actually funny that the acronym for the damage sugar causes is literally age. It's advanced glycation end products because it causes damage to the cells of your body. And then you end up inflamed from head to toe. That's crazy. That is really, that's amazing. So what are some of the benefits you've seen so far? I mean, you know, you already talked about, you know, healing your gut and stuff like that, but is there any other benefits that you've seen through your, you know, your so-called um, research on yourself there through the intermittent yeah. fasting? the biohacking of fasting yeah. um, it really improves skin tone. So inflammation just down on, on the skin. And a lot of ladies might deal with rosacea or might be dealing with the eczema or psoriasis or any of these inflammatory skin conditions. They really uh, go down with intermittent fasting because the, the break uh, from food allows cellular repair at a much higher rate, which is great. Um, I also just noticed that with that insulin receptors primed, 
when I do eat a carb, I burn it off instead of storing it as body fat, which okay. allows me to gently and slowly return back to my high school weight and get off those stubborn 15 pounds that were bothering me. Wow. I'd say not 15, I'd say like, you know, 12 pounds, but that was enough for me to kind of never feel comfortable in my clothing, <laughs> you know? So I was so happy when, when I could kind of fix my metabolism in my wow. humble opinion. That's great. Now, did you basically yeah. start with a, like an eight hour uh, and then go aggressively go longer, like 16, or you just basically went, okay, I'm going to do 16. That's it. No, or did you no, slowly 16, start? 16 is way too long, especially for hypothyroid women. Like I, I have naturally, my genetics are lower thyroid. It's really important for women to start at know that eight hours, 90% of the planet can do already, because that's basically when you're sleeping. So you just, you just broaden that out to 10 hours. And the good news okay. is that women who fast 10 hours a day religiously um, have been shown to have much lower incidences of um, breast cancer. And also notice that when they do have breast cancer treatment, that the treatment works better because they are uh, dealing with their metabolic issues. So yeah, start with 10 hours. So that would be, you know, the ability to, I'm trying to think of uh, in, in daytime, you, you would be like finishing food at eight o'clock and then you can eat again at six o'clock in the morning. Like that's super easy, super easy. Really easy. So going to 12 hours is pretty darn easy. So that would be stop at eight o'clock at night and start again at eight o'clock in the morning. And that is like so easy. Like my husband does that really well. Um, cause it turns out he's hypoglycemic, but he can handle that. And then when you get up into 13, 14 hours, when you may feel it, you might be like, I'm really looking forward to my first meal here. Um, but it's between 14 and 16 hours is when you've run out of fuel and you start to burn your own body fat. So okay. if you can go a little over 14 hours, great. But if you can't, it's important that you eat when you're hungry, never get hangry. Cause that means you've got hypoglycemia, your blood okay. sugars dropped. So listen to your body and also consult a doctor if you're on any hormonal medication and see if it's the right fit for you. Okay. So let's talk about the, the last one there is the uh, carnivore diet. Cause I've heard a lot of research, especially yeah. when it comes to anti-inflammatory. And again, I, I love your philosophy is about intervention versus a, a lifestyle on that. And especially with the carnivore, it's just meat. Now, like my brain kind of goes, I love meat, but then I'm thinking just to have steak, eggs, fish, that's it all day. Like my stomach is going to go like, oh my Lord. But I've heard a lot of benefits, especially people who have really severe autoimmune disease. I've seen a lot of amazing results on that. What is, what so is again, some of the research uh, you know? Very much um, a, okay. So the reason why autoimmunity is an issue is that there becomes a dodging bullet around different plants triggering our immune responses. Like plants, they're incredible. They can trigger your immune system to do very powerful things like kick out cancers. For example, we know there's 10,000 published studies on how turmeric is profoundly anti-inflammatory. But um, if you're a person who has an immune system that's hyperdrive, attacking your own cells, sometimes you need to take a break from all things that trigger your immune system. And that's really the reason why a lot of people are... Another, another one is I, I watched a diabetic really heal from a, a very low plant, high uh, animal protein menu because her metabolism was so, so broken that she, she definitely needed to have um, no carbohydrates spiking any insulin whatsoever. So by not having any carbohydrates for her, that's what her body needed to completely rest. But these are isolated cases. And I do have a profound problem with the severe acidic nature of having only animal flesh. And I also feel that if you look at the longest living humans, the longest living humans all have a plant-based menu, even though they do eat animal foods, like four out of the five longest living uh, tribes have animal foods, but it's the dosage that they're having. Their plates are mostly vegetation. And okay. that's why I think it's important for us to explore the low triggering plants. So for example, for you, can you have spinach and artichokes and gorgeous asparagus and like low carb, incredible plants that embark tremendous B vitamins and incredible prebiotic fiber 
because one thing that people suffer from with the carnivore diet is there's no fiber. Yeah. So therefore people get constipated as all get out. And they also have uh, an issue with just being, you're, you're just eating certain vitamins, certain minerals, but you're not getting the plethora of phytonutrition, the lycopene, okay. the astroxanthin, the, the, well, astroxanthin is in salmon, but like the, the incredible amount of, of these plant constituents that you desperately need. Like you're not getting any beta carotene. You're not getting like, what? Like to me, I just am gobsmacked at the concept of saying that all of these nutrients don't need to be worried about. We're going to only supplement those and, and meat is enough. I, I really, I really think we need to also look in the mouth and say like the mouth, we are built to be omnivores. We are opportunistic creatures where we ate everything we could get our hands on because we're super smart. And we're like, okay, I'm going to survive this ice age. We're going to figure this out. Let's eat anything that moves. Right. So we really do want to not just moves, but, but blows in the wind. We want to have that diversity. And I think that's what bothers me about the carnivore concept. And also the quality of our meat is horrid. So unless yeah. you live on an organic farm and you have uh, an unbelievable amount of cash flow for organic everything, and then uh, can actually be by a wild stream to make sure that it is wild caught fish, not farmed fish pre-labeled as some sort of you know, safe fish. I'm really concerned about having that because I myself, when I was healing, ate a ton of fish and fish is extremely high in heavy metals, PCBs and other toxins. So I have to really look at the small fish. So sardines, anchovies, uh, herring, the tiny little fish, which most people aren't eating on the carnivore diet. <laughs> They're often indulging in bacon and things like that, where I'm like, no, that's like nitrates, sugar. So I'm really, I'm really head scratching. I am reading and, uh, and I'm open because I am a, nu a nutritional researcher, not a, not a Julie, like Daniluk diet. Uh, you know, I don't want to be anyone's guru. I don't have any interest in being right. I just want to see the um, nutrition profession move forward. And that's why I'm, I'm concerned around people just jumping wholeheartedly into this paradigm. Could we, could we look at um, like, a, like anything similar to keto, could it be a, a phase into this? Like if you have profound, profound autoimmunity and that's ruling your life, sure, you might be over here with that intervention and trying it on. But if you're just wanting to really change your makeup, could going paleo be enough because you get all of those nutrients that you need and have long-term vitality? Because you know, when I look at an interview, uh, when I look at one of the, the, the living examples is, is Jean Clement, 122 and a half years old. That's who I want to listen to about nutrition. What did she eat? Oh, she ate a jar of olives every single day of her life. Really? That's the kind of stuff that I'm like, yes, olives make sense all throughout the Mediterranean. It's profoundly anti-inflammatory, but it's a low carb fruit it's the fruit of a tree so when somebody says oh we're, we're meant to only eat animals i strongly disagree with that yeah i always shake my head about i mean i absolutely love i love my meat and i try to like you know i try to avoid any meat that's been farm raised now you know i'm an outdoorsman too so i try to harvest my own haven't been too successful but you know the uh i love the fact that uh you know it's like, it's an intervention, but it's not all the way. Like you're not thinking about the same thing. It's like, okay, this is a, a very focused idea and this is the only way to do it. I love your thinking and your mentality of how it really is important to really discover, you know, these different areas and how certain foods and moving forward is really important. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Now let's talk about all these different books that you have out there. Cause I know you have a couple of books and you know, you just touched on your, your, uh, your newest book. How many books do you have right now going out? So I have, I have three and a half because I have three books and an ebook. Okay. And then so, I'm writing my, I, I finished writing and it's now in final edits for my, for my fourth official published book. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. So when are we expected to see that one coming up? September. September next year? Yeah. It takes a long time to put these books out for sure. Yeah. I believe it's yeah. a lot of work, a lot, yeah. a lot of work. Yeah. And I know um, it deals with sugar, right? So this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about too as well. You talked about briefly about monk fruit 
Mm -hmm. Are there other certain sugar substitutes that are better? Like there's yeah. erythritol and all that other stuff? Sure. So erythritol is the kindest and easiest tolerated of the sugar alcohols. So when we look at the sugar alcohols, most of them are really serious laxatives. So maltitol, sorbitol, all those sugar-free candies that we would feed grandma, uh, who, you know, if someone's diabetic, they often get put in these sugar alcohols. Um, it turns out they really are trading Peter to pay Paul. They're just not that great. Um, erythritol is kinder. So in my new book, you'll see a couple recipes for special occasions, like sweetening um, a buttercream frosting is nearly impossible without a granular sweetener. So I did use it there, but I don't, I don't recommend having any sugar alcohol because it is an alcohol. We have to remember, you know, it impacts your flora, it impacts your liver. So we do want to just use it as a very uh, special time. And I focus most of my attention on using delicious flavored stevias because once they're flavored, they're actually really decent. There's vanilla flavored stevia, there's chocolate flavored stevia. So those are really palatable. And then um, I love using a monk fruit liquid that's 100% extract so that it's truly natural and anti-inflammatory. Okay. So how would that differ as far as the overall effect in the body versus something like, like a natural, like honey or maple syrup or things like that? For, sure. Uh, so I rate all the, the yeah, I, I rate all the sweeteners in the book and maple syrup is 95% sucrose. So it's important for you to know that's very close to table sugar nutritionally. Okay. So that's kind of, let's keep it off the table unless uh, it's like, you know, one special occasion. Parts. Yeah, exactly honey has some very strong medicinal effects. So I just want to defend maple syrup because we're both Canadian. Yes. At least with maple syrup, there's a number of added added um, nutritional benefits. Like it's high in this really cool, fed, uh, this nutrient called uh, cobiquinol, which is from Quebec. So it's kind of cool that it has some lovely things in it, but it's so high in sugar that if you have any metabolic problems, if you're overweight whatsoever, it really should be held uh, in reserve until you're doing much better. So until you're at your target weight and you're ready to reintroduce that kind of playfulness into your life. With raw honey, it is um, mostly, um, it's, it's sugars that have been completely pre-digested by a bee. So it's really good for people with profound digestive problems because the bees did all the work. They went out and collected all the nectars and digested it and then produced honey from it. So it's actually, very easy and very good for chronic uh, infections. So it's great for people with um, overgrowth of yeast, actually. It's one of the only sweeteners that kills yeast. Um, really? Really, yeah, it's shocking because most people on a candida diet will not have honey. But most honey, remember, is junk honey from China that's spiked with corn syrup and is horrific for us. So we have to distinguish, we're talking like raw honey from the hive, go visit your beekeeper not the pasteurized. Once it's pasteurized, it kills the antibiotic qualities of the honey. Yeah, so all those enzymes in the raw. Room. So we can't even cook with it for it to be anti-inflammatory. So it has to be raw. So if you're going to ingest it, it has to be raw. So if you're going to use yeah. it as a sweetener in your tea or coffee, is that fine? Because it's not- is Just it have really it cooling because cooling. It, it actually the heat destroys the, um, the probiotics and it also destroys the, it makes, it cooks off the, I know there's a lot of peroxide in honey and that peroxide, just like when we clean things with peroxide, it cleans your insides because you're drinking that peroxide. So it's really cool. So raw honey is, is, it got a special place in my heart for healing gut problems, especially people with Crohn's colitis, IBS. Honey is a very well tolerated sweetener. Um, but again, you have to be able to handle it metabolically. Do you have diabetes? Do you have type two diabetes? Do you have a slow metabolism? Do you gain weight easily? then we want to stay away from having a lot of heavy caloric sweeteners in our diet. Okay. In our personal you know, It's, you know, doing this podcast, I've learned so much and my brain just, it's an overload all, all the time. <laughs> like some of the horror stories I hear about, you know, the, the way food is manufactured, uh, the, what water that I have, I had a naturopathic doctor on and she got tested with uh, for heavy metals and stuff like that. And, and she found out she was eating all these heavy metals um, she was eating a lot of vegetables and she couldn't figure out what the source was. And then the person said, well, they're using fracking water to actually, you know, um, irrigate the fields in California. Mm. And I was like, come on, really? 
they're actually using that really horrid water full of chemicals to, to make gasoline, whatever, I mean, whatever fracking is to release the gas, whatever. And they're using that to irrigate fields. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? That's, that's insane. Mm -hmm. But I hear these stories over and over again. So I have to ask, like, what in the hell did our food get so freaking messed up, Julie? Like, how did it get all messed up? Where did it start? Like, where did it well, get? I think, like, I think the big thing that, that changed the game completely is when Canadians decided you know what? I, I I don't think we need to grow all of our own food. I mean, let's face it. We're, we're talking our grandfather's grandfather. Um, but, but at a certain point, Canadians pretty much stopped growing our own food. And we rely so heavily on the States because we love that variety because my, my, um, my parents, you know, they talk about the fact that having a orange in your Christmas stocking was a big deal when you were a kid. Now it's, <laughs> Look at all the international food we have, right? It's, it's like, crazy. It's like a constant sm a smorgasbord. So I think that's part of it is that by getting away from local food, we have no connection to the horrific uh, cancer-causing, hormone-disrupting chemicals that are sprayed on third-world food, especially food being grown in, in Latin America. It's nuts. What, they're allowed to use pesticides that have been banned here for 40 years, but that we just wow. eat the fruit, right? And then uh, the states, similarly in California, if it's not certified organic, where they are checking every single part of the equation, I am very concerned for um, eating conventionally grown produce. And that's why in my own menu, it's become super simple. Like my husband grows kale. There's our, our kale garden is over there. You can't see it, but we, we um, had 40 kale plants this year so that we could um, get rid of clamshell produce for at least four months a year. So if anyone has even uh, the ability to grow herbs in their windowsill, anything that you have control over is epic. And going to your local farmer for at least getting lots of cabbage, a lot of, lot of locally grown apples, like at whatever level you can commit to, that's where I want you to tap in because it's affordable. It's a doable intervention that you feel good about because you are supporting local and building your body up with food that you know is clean. Yeah, that's so true. I, I mean, I'm, I grew up in a farming community and I remember my grandparents having this big, huge garden in the back or active side of the house. And basically half, half the yard was basically a one garden. And mm -hmm. I remember just going in, there was potatoes, corn, everything. There was all, all that fresh vegetables, everything else. That I don't think once and, did they and go to the store. that that generation virtually didn't have autoimmunity. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Their That's... microbiomes were solid. They were eating food from the land. They didn't have the endocrine disruption from hundreds of chemicals. That's why it's so weird that we're, we're facing down the first generation that may live a shorter life than our grandparents purely because of the influx of weirdness. Now, to give us hope, we're also seeing an, a massive surge in really cool um, integrated medicine techniques that may have us they say, if you can live another 20 years, you might live another 60 because they're on such the edge of extraordinary breakthroughs. So I have hope, but I don't mean to leave the, the listener in a, a strange space, but it is to just realize that um, uh, I feel that the greatest way to feel positive, to feel joy, to feel, to feel wealthy in your own mind is to build your wellness, to focus 100% of your energy on getting well. Because once you're well, everything opens up. You have all the mental energy, you have all the relaxed, calm joy that everyone craves. Everyone's just, especially in this freaking year, every single oh person is, is seeking peace. All I want is inner serenity. Well, nutrition is the path because I have been wicked anxious. I have been a food addict. I've, I've had 3000 calorie binges. And now that I'm over dealing with, with beautiful healing and feeling good, I would, I, nothing tastes as good as healthy feels, man. Nothing. I would do anything. I would pay my last dollar to feel this sense of wellness. Okay. So that yeah. being said, are there certain, I always like to say, are there like, are there like the dirty dozen of food that we should yeah, avoid? Yeah. Just go to the ewg.org website and download the dirty, dirty dozen. And the okay. clean 15. So they're super hopeful. They leave people with a long list of foods that you can buy conventionally. You know, onions, avocados, pineapple, things that are peelable are typically lower in pesticides. 
And then foods that you really do want to buy certified organic is on that dirty dozen list. And it's really easy. EWG.org is yeah, the website. I just write that down there. EWG.org. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, I've always, uh, it just amazes me how much chemicals are in food, but even just in products and stuff like that. And the labeling, you know, uh, I just try to, uh, I'm trying to cut out my, reduce my sugar intake because I know I have an issue with sugar right now and, and having a lot of skin disease disorders and things like that, all these weird stuff as I'm getting older. As you get into your 50s, it, the things start changing, not like you're in 20s anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought, oh, you know, because one of the condiments I, I have to have, I don't know, it is, it's maybe it's from childhood again, it was ketchup, you know, usually loaded with sugar, right? So I thought, okay, I'm going to buy, trying to find some sugar. I mean, try to find some ketchup that doesn't have any sugar in it. Yeah. So I do that. But what do they do? They up the amount of sodium in it. So it's just like taking tomato products with salt in it. And it's like, okay. And it's just all the labeling. It's just so misinformation. You're going to love my next book because I have a sugar-free uh, ketchup that's amazing. So I hope you really enjoy it. Well, I certainly will. I mean, this is my Bible here. I got this Aww, years ago. Thanks. So I, ha- I have this, yeah. So this is my Bible, my go-to. I use a lot of the recipes out of there. I use them consistently out of there, uh, especially when I know I've been eating crap and I'm just not feeling well. Um, over Thanksgiving, I did the, uh, was it the crustless? pumpkin pie that you're, I think it was a recipe that your mom uses, something like that. Yeah. It was fantastic. So that's, you know, for Christmas, because instead of getting away from, because uh, my mom is a beautiful baker, love this stuff, but she cooks with the worst stuff in the world that, the, you know, with vegetable shortening uh, for pastry and flour, stuff like that. And she goes, oh, I made you some tarts. I said, mom, I can't eat those tarts anymore. And I think she's, she was using corn syrup, but uh, I think she still does. And I said, yeah, it tastes great, mom, but I just can't eat that stuff anymore. Maybe you could send her my brand new, uh, it's got a crust now, uh, a no-bake pumpkin pie recipe that is no fail, absolutely delicious. And just say, hey, can you make this for me? Because I've noticed that mm. these bakers, they just got to have something to give. <laughs> they yeah. show their love to you through food. So if you say this recipe is safe, I can have this recipe. And then they get excited about trying on a new recipe. And if, if it's, if it's delicious, then they might make it again for you. So I hope to, I hope to see a breakthrough there. Cause I know that's the number one reason why people fall, fall away from their beautiful chosen food path is that they're trying to make their other family members happy. Yeah. So that, that choice to fall into love and connection trumps their need to get better. And, and I really feel for people that it's, it's a lot and it's hard to be the vanguard, the pioneer that says, okay, guys, it's time for us to, to have it all. We're going to have deliciousness and for it to be healing. Like that's, it's, it's a big deal to be the first. Um, but eventually people come around, like even my dad, I was so thrilled. He's, he's come on board. You know, he, he uses his, his monk fruit drops in the morning. I'm like, Hey dad. So they, they can, you know, I believe that tiger can change the stripes a little bit as long as it tastes really similar it's got to be a bang on delicious substitution yeah so how much of your time do you actually spend in the kitchen you know developing recipes um i would say it depends on what area i'm in so i'm either developing or executing so developing recipes absolutely it would be like two three days a week but then i i move to actually um helping people so i have like a full practice and then i have uh, uh, programs, powerful programs that I run. I run a support group for people who want to live the anti-inflammatory lifestyle. And we, we approach, approach it as the trifecta of healing because there's three causes of pain. You have emotional pain, you have chemical pain caused by what you eat, and then you have structural pain caused by injuries and postural imbalances. So if we address your movement, if we address your emotions and we address your nutrition, boom, we often see magnificent transformation. So that's what we support people on is I've actually hired a movement coach, a yoga instructor, um, motivational counselor, a plant medicine person, and I handle the nutrition. We all come together and sort of like, just love everyone from each direction and and support people's wellness. And it's it's really affordable because I know that people are super stressed financially right now. So yeah, that's that's so true. That's and that's a really amazing. That's one thing I've uh, I've always loved about you, Julie. You're always giving. Doesn't matter Aww, what you're doing in your thanks. life. You're always giving. You always thanks, give 100 percent of yourself. You know, it's amazing. Uh, you know, and that's uh, I think that's probably why you're so successful too, as well. Is that you uh, willingness to just to give all of yourself 
and uh, all your time, you know, especially, you know, even doing this, because I know you've got probably one of the three or four podcasts that you have to do today. Another few interviews. Well, well, yeah, I'm going. I'm going back in the clinic right after this. But, but I mean, of course, I'm going to talk to you. Of course, oh, I appreciate I'm going to carve out time. It's going to be uh, for people who care as much as you do. You know, it, oh, I appreciate it, it, that. Uh, we're we're of the same ilk. When you have a, a friend who we're disconnected to, we might as well say her name and give her a shout out. Yeah, uh, Tanya is just an extraordinary light and love in the world. She's one of the most generous people I know. So, of yeah. course, being connected to her. Um, I would love to know you because, hey, if it's her people, they're good people. Yeah, <laughs> no like more. that's one thing. That's one thing. She always, I don't know how she does it, but for the life of me, I can never figure out why she, she has this ability to attract the most amazing people in her life. Like all her friends, like all the things. It's just, it's just like she's just this glowing bit of energy. So if you actually have time, Tanya, because I know she's crazy busy all the time. You know, so we'll, uh, we'll, out we'll, we'll, we'll say you got to go listen to your love. <laughs> that's right. You got to we'll give you a little bit of shout out there, uh, Miss Tanya. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I mean, she, she, uh, it's so neat to see how, how multidimensional she is and the fact that she is an incredible food stylist, but now is opening up to being a, a mortgage broker. Like what? Like just really surprised me to see her, her new life take off and, um, I, I just feel so confident that she'll be wildly successful because she oh. is at whatever she takes on. Oh my God. She, that's just her. Like, I mean, she, when she has her focused on something, you can't stop her. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's benefits, but it's a detriment as a friend. Sometimes it's like, you kind of get lost in the dust when she gets her mindset. It just, she goes, she just goes. And it's just like, it's, it's kind of hilarious. And I've known her for so long now. Like you just expect it. Like uh, I'll probably talk to her like next month. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, understandable. Yeah. It's just the way that things are. She is, uh, she's oh great. Gosh. Okay. So I know for all of the, the listeners out there, it's a long segue into, yes, we, we, we love deeply. <laughs> yes. And I think that's really important. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about in the podcast in general is about love and connectiveness and emotionality and um, how it affects, you know, ourselves and our bodies too, as well. And it's about the food. And I, I briefly speak about this too, is about the, the vibration of love when it comes to eating. And I think that's really important. I think it gets missed and it I always, I always call it like the grandmother syndrome. You can think of all your best meals that you've had in your life. Usually come from either a grandmother or an aunt or a caretaker of some sort. And it's not like she's the greatest chef in the world. And cause I know great chefs can cook. I mean, I can cook pretty well, yeah. but there's a difference when it comes from a state of love and that vibration that goes into it. It could be the simplest meal in the world, but it just tastes so good. And those, those, that vibration of love just kind of sends out through the food. And I think that's really important. I think that's, you know, it's a sad thing that we're missing right now through COVID is those connections. And I think most of our lives we spent around is food, you know, gathering, getting together in that interconnection. And I miss it. I miss part of that right now. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. It's definitely the weirdest part of this time is, is uh, I think that's why uh, takeout has become so important is because people just miss someone cooking for them. So they, they lean into that substitution of having some chef somewhere put that food together, but nothing, nothing matches uh, a person who actually cares about you putting that intentionality into the food. I, I, I totally agree. And what's interesting is, is to bring it back to the emotional food connection is the fact that um, I think that's why so many people use food as comfort because they remember, like I remember when I was trying to break up with my biggest addictions, one of them was um, actually my grandma's Cinnabons. So I would go out mm. for a Cinnabon mm. trying to remember my grandmother's cinnamon bun because that's how she loved me. So yeah. no wonder every time I was sad and blue, I would go, grandma, you know, it made so much sense. So it's yeah. just unraveling that and really journaling. What do I get from this food? What memory does it evoke? What uh, feeling does it leave me with? Because all you're trying to do with emotional uh, eating is change your state. You're just trying to get out of the depression or the loneliness or the anger or whatever you're dealing with. You're trying to park that feeling. And you're using that love and connection memory from the past to soothe over that emotion. So I think once we unravel and go, ah, then That's I went, what? okay, I better invent uh, a cinnamon 
dessert that reminds me of grandma without derailing my health because I'm a celiac. I cannot have that glutinous grain without, we're not talking about being set back for a day. We're talking about being set back for a week where you're rolling around going, gosh, when is my gut ever going to get back to normal? So, and a lot of people don't realize that they have a serious problem with gluten. A lot of people push it off, not realizing like if you're bloated, gas, constipated, struggling with your health, have skin disorder, have joint pain, you really do need to look at whether uh, gluten and, and the other parts of wheat for that matter is, is causing a constant immune trigger. Yeah, that's what I'm finding right now. And uh, I've had uh, so many issues lately. And it's just interesting. I talked to my brother and he basically gave up gluten and dairy and he basically lost, I think he lost 20 pounds just from, you just realized the case. He just, he was going on holidays all the time, you know, eating all this crazy stuff. And, you know, it's great. And I know myself, but if I started having, you know, I, you know, it's so simple. Like you go to the Tim Hortons and you go to grab a coffee and what do you do? Grab a cookie or a donut, right? You don't even think about, oh, that's, you don't even think it's gluten. You just think, oh, it's sweet and stuff like that. It's just the combination of two. And then all of a sudden you're right off. Like you're just, your body just goes off into this crazy tangent. And I noticed myself and I've just been trying to get off coffee. I've been in five days without coffee right now. And I, to be honest with you, I feel like, shh. It's, it is really that, but I've done a lot of, I've been doing a lot of research on coffee too. But the thing is, I know I sleep better. I don't have the anxiety too as well. And, and coffee I've, is a really hot, uh, hot plant energetically. So if you have a skin disorder, they'll immediately say you may want to knock off the coffee, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a real I, liver stimulant. That's oh, why it? it's hard on your skin. That's, oh, the that's the connection. Wow. You just, you just cleared that up. No pun intended. Yeah, I mean, coffee uh, is a real jolt and a great mental, um, it charges your batteries for sure. But I will say um, there's kinder caffeine. Like, will you do okay with yerba mate? Would you be okay with uh, white tea? You know, uh, if you need that lift. But one thing uh, everyone needs to remember with caffeine is it only works if you take breaks. If you have caffeine every day, it becomes like every addictive substance where it stops working for energy, stops working for mental performance. They did a great study recently where athletes were put in two groups, the non-caffeine consumers and the ones who drink caffeine regularly. And then they, they ran a test where the caffeine consuming group had zero performance enhancement. And the group that did not consume caffeine regularly had, had caffeine on race day. And it was literally rocket fuel. So yeah. if you want to only have caffeine for really special occasions, that's why I only use it on performance days. Like yesterday I filmed the Marilyn Dennis show. Yes, I'll have some caffeine because my brain lights up like a Christmas tree. And all of a sudden my mouth works better. Like the brain to mouth connections, like, woo! but if yeah. you did that every day, it just loses all of its power. So anyone who's out there kind of going, I want to have the suave de vive that coffee used to give me, just take a break from it. Yeah, I've noticed that because I was just trying to figure out how many days can go off and see what happens. And yeah. then the day I tried just to add one cup of coffee, oh my God. Like literally, I thought I was like, I thought I was back in my clubbing days, you know, just like just wired. And it was wired for a long time. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. I can't believe that. But it's so true. And, uh, but I do feel better. I know I sleep better. I know my digestion's still trying to figure it out because, you know, coffee, from what I understand, is a bowel stimulant. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, so you have that first cup of coffee and it's like, hey, it helps me go number two, but now it's like my body's going, Hey, oh, there's that? 10 things that help that. Don't worry. Yeah. Magnesium well, being a big one. Yeah. I've started yeah. Uh, supplementing uh, some more fiber into my diet. So I'm oh, helping yeah. with that. So that's, uh, that's really worked out too. So awesome. awesome. But Miss Julie, uh, we're almost out of time here. Yeah. I, can't I know. Believe it's right? going it's been such a lovely conversation. Thank you know, you. this it's is actually the to, longest conversation have... I've had with you. Well, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> We're often in large groups at parties where it's, it's like, whoa. Um, so this is wonderful. And I will um, just say thank you because um, I like this style of podcast. You know, there's not like the formality of I'm going to give my background and then, you know, it's just a lovely conversation, which I think is what people want more of. They want to be a, 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 a fly on the wall to a conversation and that voyeuristic peek into people's connection versus just hearing the same stories uh, and time and time out. So I really uh, feel you're, you've got an amazing voice and podcast personality or you were set for greatness. Oh, my dear. Maybe blush there. 
doesn't happen too often, but you made me blush. (laughs) So if there's one thing you can leave uh, my viewers and my listeners uh, with a little bit of tidbit or information or inspiration um, or even a little bit of motivation, can you just give a little bit of nugget of boldness that they can leave them with? Um, I think instead of taking things out right away, I would just put the good in. And if there's one habit that works really well for people is actually just starting to count the number of veggies you eat in a day. Um, So I love to make mental note. And when I get up to five cups of veggies, that's when you often see remarkable things. That's 10 servings of veggies. And don't be intimidated. That's actually, not that you would, but like a salad can be up to three or four servings of veggies, right? Like it's really easy to get that, especially with um, like spinach, Uh, it it, it cooks down so much that going from the raw, it's really, really easy to get enough nutrition. So just sneak it in wherever you can. If you're somebody who's not like a big plant eater, sneaking it into smoothies, you know, sneaking it into tomato sauces. That's how I often really uh, bring up someone's vitality before we bring up the conversation of substitution. So often like put extra good things in, make you feel well, and then you tackle substitutions instead of breaking up with things, putting yourself on a rigid diet, getting stressed out about, oh, I miss everything. You wanna have that substitution on hand so that it's just a nice baton pass off. It's just, oh, I like this new cracker that's made from almond flour instead of eating a glutinous regular cracker. Just that nice little swap out. Um, Setting yourself up powerfully for success so that you don't fall off the diet wagon yet again. Like no more wagon, let's get rid of the wagon. I like that idea, I love that. Yeah, yeah, a live it versus a diet, just a, a moving towards vitality mindset is really what uh, has you go for gold. All right. Well, that being said there, Julie, where can they find you? So if everybody's listening and they're yeah. watching this, where can they find Miss Julie? Get all her information, her books, her programs. <laughs> the easiest place to find me is just to go to hotdetox.com because that goes directly to me. Um, and also all of my social media is pretty much the same, which is at Julie Danlock. And if you do want support on this transition, instead of a personal appointment, it's really less expensive and fun to join our support group so that you have that framework and the community and accountability to keep you enrolled in this new lifestyle. So I would really encourage people to consider Thrive Tribe because it's, it's very affordable. I highly recommend that. Uh, yeah, it's all about community and you have the most amazing person in the world guiding you through all this. She lives it. She breathes it. Um, Julie, you're such a beautiful soul. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.